Welcome in to the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast. We're the podcast for Vol Basketball fans everywhere. We bring you discussions, debates, and the latest news on the Vols and Lady Vols basketball programs. Hello everyone and welcome in to another episode of the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast. I am Nathaniel Rutherford, joined again by Gene Henley for a brand new episode of the podcast. Appreciate all of you tuning in for this week's episode. I thank you all for, for tuning in last week. I know I took a, a week off vacation, but I did have Blake Powell join me, or Blake uh, Lovell, excuse me, uh, join me uh, for a, an episode recorded early. Didn't have any news breaks, so that was good. Nothing we said was immediately dismissed, uh, or immediately out of, of out of pocket or whatever like that after we recorded it. So that's good, but that's obviously, if you haven't listened to that, uh, give it a chance. Or get When you get a chance, go take a listen to it. Uh, that came out last Monday. This one will come out hopefully Monday night of this week. But Gene, got a little bit to talk about here. No, like I said, nothing kind of big news for Tennessee. We do have some news to talk about. We'll mention a little bit later on that kind of ties into our main topic here. Uh, but I do want to say, if you're new here, thank you so much for tuning in to the podcast. We're available uh, pretty much literally everywhere podcasts are found at this point. Not just Apple Podcasts, not just Spotify, Google Podcasts. We're also on Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, uh, and I think also now on Amazon as well. So check us out on all those locations. If you Also on uh, Podcast Addict as well, which I think is another big one for Android users. So check it out. If you haven't already subscribed, please do. We'd really appreciate it. We have episodes usually every week, sometimes two, sometimes three a week, depending on how busy of a news week it is for Tennessee basketball. But Gene, let's get into it here. A topic I wanted to discuss, and it's one I've seen online a few different times uh, on different boards and, and, and on Twitter and Facebook, really everywhere that I, I pay attention to Tennessee basketball social media discussion. And it's this idea of, you know, Tennessee recruiting has obviously taken off. We've talked about it in, in previous episodes about how Tennessee is recruiting at a, a level they haven't in a while, at least, you know, obviously recruiting rankings went around on the Ray Mears era and when Bernie and Ernie were coming out of high school and stuff, because they were then, then Tennessee would have had, you know, some pretty elite classes back in the day. Uh, but in, in modern recruiting times in the last almost, I guess, 20 years at this point, because around 2003 or so, I guess, when Rivals and, and them had really started doing basketball recruiting rankings and stuff. So almost 20 years now, um, this is this is a pretty much the highest level Tennessee has been recruiting at consistently. And it's not just, you know, guys, you're not bringing in these highly rated guys for, you know, a couple of seasons for the most part. A lot of these guys, like we saw this past year with Keon Johnson and Jaden Springer, they're one and done guys. And I think, you know, you see the Dukes, you see the North Carolinas, you see the Kentuckys get these one-and-done guys. And for the most part, they've had a lot of success. You know, Kentucky won a title with some one-and-done guys in 2012. Duke and North Carolina are obviously, for the most part, at the top of college, or at or near the top of college basketball year in, year out. And they're typically in the top five, top four recruiting rankings year in, and year out. And that's built largely off of bringing in one-and-done type talent. But lately, the past probably three, four championships that have been won in, in college basketball on the men's side hasn't been with teams that have been built off of a lot of one and done talent. You look at specifically the most recent two this past year and then 2019 with Baylor and Texas Tech. Those are teams that had some, you know, had some good young guys on the team, but they were built largely around more, you know, two, three, four year players. And we've talked about on this podcast before, Tennessee's best team, or best two teams at least under Rick Barnes where guys or teams that are built around two, three, four-year players. So I, I, the discussion I've seen online and what I think what I want us to have a discussion today is 
under Rick Barnes, is Tennessee bringing in and relying too heavily on one-and-done caliber players? We haven't seen it up until really this past year. That There wasn't, you know, Keon and, and Jaden were the first two one-and-done players going into the league under Rick Barnes. Otherwise, you, I mean, just out Jordan James is a five-star, definitely, you know, obviously wasn't one-and-done player. Um, but you also, now you're bringing in Kenny Chandler, who has the makings of being one-and-done. Brendan Huntley-Hatfield has the makings of being a one-and-done player. You're looking at who Tennessee is recruiting in the 22 class, and we'll we'll touch on this more in just a second. But they're they're targeting a few guys who are definitely one and done type players there as well, um, and, and guys like Brandon Miller and Casey Wallace, for example, uh, and obviously a few other guys they're looking at in that class too. With you know Imani Bates, but I don't think he's going to go college, so that doesn't really matter probably anyway. But Gene, in your opinion, is Tennessee focusing too heavily on one and done types? Because I I look at last year's roster and they definitely last year were relying too heavily on two freshmen to be, you know, a kind of do-it-alls for Tennessee that, you know, Keon and Jaden were very good. And that was obvious, that was obvious in the games and they're Tennessee's leading scorers, which is both a positive for them, but also kind of a negative for you when you look at Tennessee as a whole and what they, you know, what the season was last year for Tennessee. This year, I do think on paper, at least there's a, a better mix of relying on, on, three, four-year guys, and in case of Fulkerson, a, a sixth-year player, uh, and, and mixing in, you know, having a Kennedy Chandler as a, you know, as your probably one-and-done point guard. But at the same time, though, a lot of those teams have had success that's had one-and-done players. They've had also some, you know, senior or, or more veteran leadership at the point guard position, and that's the one spot where Tennessee is going to be probably relying on a freshman to play the bulk of the minutes. Obviously, you have guys like Justin Powell and Santiago Viscovi and even and Josiah Jordan-James who can play the one and will play the one at points this season, most likely. But still, I, I think it's an interesting conversation to have of, is Tennessee becoming too reliant on these one-and-done type talents and not so much when you look at the most successful Rick Barnes teams or those teams that had those three, four-year players and were teams that were the recruiting wasn't at the at the level Tennessee is right now, so I, I think it's just a an interesting conversation to have, and I, I'm curious your thoughts on it before I, you know, share more of mine. I think there's nothing more difficult for a team for a program that has experienced that really hasn't experienced high high levels of success than chasing that feel good um you know obviously fans want to live in the feel good once things have started um they, they want to remain that if you've been good for a year they want to, they want you to be good for 20 years um that's not always realistic and you know that two-year run 57 wins uh, sweet 16 number one ranking that provided a lot of feel good to tennessee fans and the like and it also unlocked a sort of um new recruiting situation where they've been able to get the sorts of players that you can kind of come in and expect to just be great immediately uh grant williams uh paved the way for josiah jordan james um who is more of who was more at the time of the sort of he fit the mold of the Tennessee player who kind of comes in, uh, is there for a while, is beloved by the base because they, you know, because he provides success. 
Um, I don't exactly remember what else could have happened going into the 2020-2021 season because obviously life hit a lot of us in different ways um, around then. But it changed. You know, like I, I don't remember, you know, after the whole, you know, Josiah – uh, that Visco- Josiah Vescovi, Devontae Gaines, uh, Drew Pember class, you know, that led to Kennedy Chandler, Keon Johnson, Corey Walker. Uh, you know, Victor Bailey became eligible. I knew he was obviously there, but um, those guys. So it, it's <clears throat> so I, like I don't know if you know, that what happened in that two year run has paid opened the door for everything that's kind of transpired since. But. I'm not sure it's it's not so easily easy to recreate, I guess you could say. And I think maybe a lot of people figure that out last year. You know, when you talk about the, the teams that have been successful using the one and done model, I, I always say on this podcast and any, any other platform I speak on, people forget about the guys who were really a big part of those championship teams at Kentucky in 12 and Duke in, I think, 15. Um, they, you know, because you you lean heavily on, well, Anthony Davis, he's the number one pick in the draft. Michael K. Gilchrist, he's the number two pick in the draft. Um, he also had Darius Miller, who's like a six-year senior, and took every important shot that that team had. Um, that Duke team, well, they had Jaleel Okafor, Justice Winslow, I mean, Grayson Allen. Quinn Cook was a second-team All-American as a junior that year. And they had singers on that team as well. Like it's it's a fallacy to suggest that the you know that one and dones equal national championships. It equals championships if if those guys can just be who they are. I mean Anthony Davis on that championship team was a defensive stopper. That's it. That's it. He averaged like ten points a game. Like I think if you look back, I think he averaged twelve points a game and like eleven rebounds, like probably nineteen blocks because he was special defensively um i mean i'd imagine okafor probably had a solid year because you know they they leaned on him but that was also a really really talented team where i'm pretty sure that quinn cook averaged around 17 18 points a game again i mean that can be checked and all but i'm pretty sure he was a second team all-american average like 18 points a game so it helps those freshmen when they have a guy they can lean on uh, I think the issue was Tennessee didn't really have that guy that they could lean on. You know, I mean, the person that they needed last year, he couldn't have, he couldn't have been there. But the person they needed on that team last year was Jordan Bowden. Just a guy who has experience making shots. And he would have had a time he would have had that time to blend in more and mesh more with Vescovi. You know, and obviously the whole, you know, with Josiah and, you know, Keon, you know, Keon Johnson, Jaden Springer. Um, so, like, I, I don't really I don't think that they're leaning too heavily on them. They did last year. But if you look at this year's roster, it's not like they're just going to hand. I mean, they're going to hand the ball to Kennedy Chandler. But Kennedy Chandler is going to have guys around him. He's going to have guys who can help bring out the best version of him. He's going to have shooters. Um, he, he's going to have guys who can compete inside. You know, they still have focus in there. Like they've got the the four or five star kid, a dude that they just brought in. They're going to have Huntley Hatfield. They're going to have those guys there. 
So Kenny Chandler can just go out there and be who he is as a player, and you don't have to ask more out of him. And I felt like probably the problem was last year, instead of uh, Jane Springer and Keon Johnson just having a chance to just be who they were, they all of a sudden were thrust into roles where we have to basically lean on you to create everything for us because we don't have good offensive players around us. So, like, yes and no, I guess uh, at the end of the day, I'd say probably no. I don't think that they did lean heavily, probably too heavily on the freshman last year, but I don't think that's going to be something that's going to be uh, sustained. I mean, I don't think something's going to happen again this year because, again, you can chase something all you want to, uh, you can chase, you know, that feel good that you had a few years ago. But the reality is I think Rick Barnes is smart and realized, okay, that won't work. It 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 won't work. I've got to have guys who can take the load off of a Kennedy Chandler and a Huntley Hatfield. So I have exactly that. I have a Viscovi. I have a Victor Bailey. I have a Josiah Jordan James. I still have Fulkerson. I have guys who can take the pressure off of them. You can still ask those guys to make big plays and make shots, but they don't have to basically be option 1A and 1B in the only way that your offense can be even remotely watchable. No, you make a great point. You were talking about that, that Duke team. I've been looking up kind of the last nine or ten champions in, you know, in the last few years here. And yet, like you said, you had your logo for a number one player and was a, a, you know the leading scorer, but yeah, Quinn Cook did average fifteen point three points, three point four assists, two point six assists, or three point four rebounds, two point six assists. He was the second leading scorer in that team, and you had Winslow and you had Tyus Jones. That 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 team so far, aside from the um, Kentucky team in 2011-2012, those two are really the only, like they're the outliers in terms of having like a, a bunch of young guys be your big contributors for those teams. But like you said, even them. You look at that Kentucky team. Anthony Davis was the the leading scorer, leading rebounder, average average a double double that season. You had Deron Lamb, who's a sophomore. Uh, Michael Kidd Gilchrist is a freshman. Terrence Jones is a sophomore. Marquise T is a freshman. But as you said, Darius Miller averaged basically ten points, three rebounds for that team that year, and was was a very important piece of that machine for them. But every other team I've I've looked at here, whether it was Baylor, whether it was Villanova twice, whether it was Virginia. Um, whether even was that North Carolina team and 17 that had you had some of these teams that had a, a, you know a few a, a freshman or two making contributions but for the most part these teams have been teams that had a lot of juniors and seniors or you know third year sophomores or whatever making contributions and even that Villanova team in 16 that won a title that had Jalen Brunson who was a really good freshman he wasn't one and done player though he, he stuck around at Villanova uh, for a little bit because he came back and helped him win the title in, t- in 18. So, <laughs> um, but he, he was a talented recruit, but he wasn't a, a one-and-done guy. You had, I think that season when they won in 18, uh, you had Amari Spellman, who was a one-and-done player. In 17, when in North Carolina won it, you had Tony Bradley, who was a one-and-done player. But that's one guy on a, on a roster of, of, you know, seven or eight guys who are contributing significantly to those teams. And Duke and, and Kentucky have been the outliers in the last almost decade at this point. I think... You make a point. It makes me also. We touched on this, I think, a, a little bit, and then, and, and I think two, three weeks ago, when we had the, the episode, Gene, where we talked about, you know, the preseason rankings for Tennessee. Are they fair or whatever? I, I'm curious what you're saying. How? I know it's obviously May, like middle of May at this point, but right now, this point of the offseason, Gene, how how high or low are? You, what do you, what are your feelings on this team? Because it seems to me like you you have a little bit higher of a 
of an opinion of them that maybe I initially thought you might because I think it's I think it's gonna be a good team. I think they'll be improved from last year. Again, that's all based on paper and everything. But I think this will be a better mix, and I expect this team to be more consistent. That was another issue last year. It wasn't just the offense; it was the consistency. Well, that was the consistency on offense too. But consistency, just in general, for the team was an issue. That had a lot to do with you know COVID and other stuff. But I think it also had to do with the fact that you didn't have the right depth of the right positions and you were relying on young players and a lot of key spots. But I am curious after what you said, Gene, what are your, what are your early feelings on this team? Cause I, I think you might be a little higher on them than I originally thought you were. So here's what you did from a roster perspective. Mm-hmm. You replaced, um, well, we'll start from position to position. You, you replaced, Jaden Springer with um, Kennedy Chandler. I'd say that's in a weird way, maybe a slight improvement because you know that that kid is a just 100% point guard. Um, And I think so many times in life, especially when people are looking at basketball, you look at certain levels of the game and you can get confused in the fact that people have like gaudy stats and think that they're like an amazing player. That's not always the case. Like you always have to question like kids who grew up being point guards. Uh, they understand that their job is to make everybody else better. And that doesn't always equate to high scoring totals and high assist totals and in, in you know heavy usage rates and all those advanced nerdy numbers. It just simply means like are they making the right play at the right time to get, you know, are they making the right play at the right time to get maybe a good shot for somebody else, even if you had one? Like, sometimes we can look and see, man, the kid had nine assists, and it was just a play where they could have made an easy pass that could have led to another easy pass for a basket, but instead they try to make some, like, amazing play. They threw some no-look-behind-the-back pass that gets a bunch of oohs and ahs, but... Yeah, in two points, but it may not have been the best play. So um, Chandler has always been a point guard, always. And I think that when you have a guy like that, he's going to have the opportunity to make this team better. So you replaced – like so to me, that's a plus to this year. Um, you're replacing – we'll just say Keon Johnson – in, in, in place of Keon Johnson, we'll just spitball and say Victor Bailey. That's a plus for last year, obviously. Um, now, instead of, I don't remember who I'm forgetting here. Uh, I think who? Are you Justin Vis- Powell, maybe? Well, Vescovi. That's new. Well, no, no. Vescovi started at the point, because they, they started all three, right? They started Vescovi, they started Johnson, they started Springer towards the end of the year. Yeah, I looked it up and see if I could find out. But I think you're right. I think those all three started at some point. The yeah. Card. So we'll, we'll say it this way. You, you've you now replaced Vescovi with Kennedy Chandler. That's obviously a plus for this year. You, you're replacing Springer with Justin Powell. To me, that's probably a little bit more of a plus for what you're trying to do. And you, you're replacing Keon Johnson with Victor Bailey, which is obviously a plus for last year. Now you're replacing Eve Pons with Brandon Huntley-Hatfield. Last time I checked, Brandon, Hunt, Brandon Huntley Hatfield is one of the top players in the country. I don't care about recruiting rankings. I don't. I truly do not. Uh, if, if anybody's listening to this podcast, they know I truly could, I don't care. 
about the rankings. Like, how do they fit? How do they mesh? The kid's obviously an, an impressive player, so I don't care how many stars are next to his name. Watch the kid play, and you can feel however you want to feel from that point forward. And you replace John Fulkerson with John Fulkerson because that kid will just never leave Tennessee. But now you've also added um, – now you've also got Josiah Jordan-James in a different role because he can come off the bench or he can start. So you solidify your bench. You've got this Adu kid that is taking the place of who? Uh, EJ Enosiki. Last, yeah. from, my, from what I've gathered, and again, I typically don't make rush judgments on kids who have never put on a college jersey. I would think that just on what I've noticed there, that's a plus for that's a plus for this year. So I'm, I'm saying all that to say it's a long-winded way of saying I feel like they've improved the roster. That was kind of what was important. I'm looking at the roster right now. It looks like Kennedy Chandler's not there yet, and the Duke is not there yet in terms of being on this year's roster right now. Mm-hmm. I know I know they've signed. I've seen the emails. I've seen the tweets. I know they've signed, so I know they're coming. And so when you look at the the caliber and for them to be good, you have to have a really good roster and you can't be top heavy. You know, like people, again, everybody fell in love with that Duke team with Zion Williamson, RJ Barrett and Cam Reddish. And then you realize if they got six deep, on, if they got to number seven on the bench, he couldn't play. He was a walk on scholarship kid whose family was probably worth a lot of money. Um it got very sad once you got towards the end of that bench. And that hurt. And that team was what, a sweet sixteen, elite eighteen? Didn't even I know they didn't make the final four. I think I know they got beat by Michigan State and they barely beat UCF. Um, so it's important that, you know, even if you want even if you want to have an I'll say, I'll say this, I'll always say this. Even if you want to go with an eight man rotation as a coach, you have to feel good about number nine. Right now, Tennessee has Brendan Huntley Hatfield, Josiah and Jordan James, John Fulkerson, Victor Bailey, Olivier Conwell, who I still will not give up on, Santiago Vescovi, Kennedy Chandler, Joseph Adu. And then number nine gets to like Eurosh. So that's eight and a half to nine guys that I, I would say I can at least steal a couple minutes. I can steal a couple minutes with Eurosh. Can't mm-hmm. play him 25. But if I can get if I can get a five minute burst in the first half, or maybe a five minute burst in the second half out of that kid, that's good. Like that, you have to be able to go there. The Tennessee team from a few years ago, number eight was Derek Walker. Didn't feel comfortable with that, and Barnes gave him chances. A couple times he looked okay, for the most part he didn't. So that's why Tennessee went with seven. But you had, and because he didn't feel comfortable by eight. Now I think you can at least go eight if Adu is a quality player, and if Adu's role is to just rim run and block shots and and dunk, um, I think they'll be okay. But like again, like that, a lot of that is going to depend on just how those freshmen develop. But I I say all that because I do think the roster's better. If the roster's better, then you can play better. You can hold some people accountable for mistakes they make. Like last year, I think sometimes you had kids, who, guys who made mistakes, and they just had to keep making more and more mistakes because who's going to hold them accountable? Now if Kennedy Chandler's messing up, I mean, you at least know that Vescovi can run your offense. It may not look the same, but he can run it. 
Now if Fulkerson is not getting the job done, you got to do. You know, he's a different player, but you've got it. Brandon Huntley Hatfield, if he's not if he's not all he's supposed to be to begin with, you've got Josiah Jordan James. So you've got guys that can push each other because the only way you're going to get better as a team is if you push each other in practice because nobody cares about your recruiting rankings once you walk out there, walk into Pratt Pavilion and start working out because your resume, somebody else has got the same one. Matter of fact, I'm pretty sure Josiah Jordan James actually has a better high school resume than Brendan Huntley Hatfield. He may not be rated as high, but I'm pretty sure that his his uh, if not better, it was equally as good. And so we can sit here and t- look at some of these guys like, oh, okay, well, they haven't been what we thought they were going to be, but these dudes still have pride. And they're still, if pushed, you can bring the best out of each other. And now that you've got guys that can push each other in some of those key positions, that's how you get the best version of Tennessee, and that's why I think they're going to be better this year. Yeah, and talking about Josiah's college or high school career, he, at least his senior year, his senior year, he like he was lights out in his senior year. And I, I don't know the stats of what Huntley Hatfield did at uh, Scotland campus, but like, but look at his stats from lead to IMG and, and Clarksville. Yeah, I think I think I would say that Josiah had a better high school career, but like you said doesn't mean that they're anywhere close to the same caliber of player. So that that's, yeah, that's a very good point. And also to go back to something we talked about, or you mentioned earlier, um, it doesn't ever list here when looking at that Josiah George James ever started at point guard, but he definitely played at point guard this season, but you only got to start at a point where Viscovi and Springer, but still Josiah played at point. So that's, you know, you mentioning him is not off base by any, any stretch of the imagination there. He played point. I know for a fact, his freshman year for Tennessee too. So actually let me see if I can, Pull it up really quick. Um, well, I guess not. Maybe uh, here we go. Yeah, he. Well, Devonte Gaines was technically your point guard for that Wisconsin. No, game, actually, but... you know, well, let's not talk about that game. <laughs> like, I, I, I was there. It was the saddest thing I've ever seen. Man. It was. Oh, and Devonte played that game. Uh, Josiah was like kind of more of the point guard that game, but D- Devonte mm. played it a lot. Um, they all look scared, and I mean, I, I get it. I mean, it, it, that's a tough situation to put a lot of those kids in, um, especially when, again, like you didn't necessarily sign up for. I mean, Josiah Jordan James signed up for Grant Williams and Lamonte Turner and Jordan Bowen yeah. and maybe even Jordan Bone. And what did he get? Bowden. Yeah, because Turner was there for the first was, half, and then he. Yeah, it was not even, not even the first half, like the first what eleven games, and then he. Yeah, that, sat out because of his injury. That was the game. So yeah. yeah, that was the game because then that was you had that break and then they got lucky that they were able to get Viscovi in mid year and he came in for the next game when SEC play started. Yeah, so I mean, like, yeah, it, it's um, he 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 ran the offense a lot. Um, mm-hmm. He's he's very good at handling. Uh, he's good at handling the offense, and he can be an option. Now again, I know nothing about what happens beyond Tennessee, but he has he, he has the option of helping run the offense in all ways, shapes, and forms. And uh, having an option of a kid who plays, who will play your three, your four, your one, maybe your five in a pinch. Because I mean, I, they, look, man, they can easily go with Huntley Hatfield at the five and Josiah at the four. Like, that's, again, like, that's stuff I'm talking about, man. Like, there's a level of flexibility in what they're trying to do that I think can't be overlooked. 
like they have a chance to have a good really they have a really good roster and they have a very versatile roster and you're only as good as your roster uh, I'm a sucker for anybody that goes small and if you can go if you can go small with the dude who's 610 and runs like Huntley Hatfield does and with the Josiah Jordan James at the four then you've got my attention and uh, so I like again like that I, I look at what the flexibility of that roster will be. Um, and I think that if you are a Tennessee fan, which I know you are, Nathaniel, and everybody that listens is, uh, I think you have a reason to be optimistic about what this season is. I'm not projecting Elite Eights and Final Fours and all that stuff, but right. I think because, again, one game crapshoot in March, uh, eventually it's going to work out for him. We've talked about that recently. Uh, eventually you keep knocking on the door, you're going to make it through. And um, so, I, again, but I do think that they're going to, they have a better roster going into this year than they did last year. And to compete in March, you have to be able to play a lot of certain ways. And they're going to defend. Um, they're going to be able to defend a lot of different ways. Um, and they're going to be able to put the ball in the basket. And those are the two things that you need to be competitive. I absolutely agree. And, and, you know, we were obviously looking exclusively at teams that won the national championship over the last decade. And for Tennessee, you know, that, that's obviously what you want to do, but Tennessee's never even sniffed that. They haven't gotten close to that in men's hoops. Like it's one thing to talk about what it takes to win a national title. It's another to talk about what it takes to get to an elite eight, to get to the final four. Obviously if you get to the final four, you're pretty, pretty darn good. Or you just got very, very, very lucky, and also have some good coaching. Because even even the teams like the George Masons and stuff that made runs to the Final Four, they were constructed of some of good players and a well coached team and everything too. Um, but it's one thing to go win a national title and what what the roster makeup looks like to do that. There are all kinds of different roster makeups that make runs to the Elite Eight and the Final Four. Which Tennessee has gone to the Elite Eight one time ever, never the Final Four. So again. This is all just looking at one, the obvious, you know, top-end goal for every program, winning a national championship. But can Tennessee go and, and make a run in the SEC tournament and the NCAA tournament to, you know, get to the second, maybe in third weekend with the kind of roster they have right now or, you know, what they may have in the next coming years? I think it's a lot more doable than asking you to win a national title for a program that's never done it. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. I think this this roster is better. I think it's constructed better. I think you have more versatility with this roster, which is, as you point out, if you, anytime you can have a guy like a Huntley Hatfield who can play a four or five, you have a, a Josiah Jordan James who can, you can feel comfortable playing at a three or an undersized four or even at the one if you have to. Uh, Forgerson's probably just going to play four. You probably, I guess he could maybe play five too. Um, I think they'd feel comfortable with him at a five. Then you have you know Chandler as your main one, but Powell can play one if he needs to. He can play two if he needs to. You have a Scobie who can play one or two. Um, don't have as many guys, I guess, that can play that three, that, that small forward type of spot, but I would feel comfortable, obviously, with Powell playing there, and obviously, just on Jordan James is going to be your main guy there. Um, and then, I guess, Meshack could possibly play there um, to, to, with his defense. His defense will probably help him play some minutes and kind of see the floor, and then we talked about it in a previous podcast, what Chandler had to say about uh, Meshack and whether or not Meshack is the, you know, being overlooked with the rest of this class. But to kind of build off all that, I'd, I'd seen, you know, different people here and there more so after, you know, Tennessee's disappointing season and disappointing losses saying we need to stop recruiting one and dones and all this stuff. That's not the way of college basketball. And I, I 
I can understand the frustration and get where they're coming from with that statement, but I don't agree with it. I think you need those type of that talent of that type of you know five star talent to still be on the team to have a chance of making you have to improve your chances of making tournament runs. But they don't need to be like the focal point, unless as you mentioned earlier, you have a, a Duke team that's constructed of the right combination of one and dones or a Kentucky team that's constructed of the right ones because they've obviously been doing that for years, getting one and dones. But aside from that Duke team, like you, you mentioned, that had Okafor that won the title and the, the Kentucky team that won the title in 2012, they've been getting a lot of one done players since then and haven't gone and, and won a national championship since then. So it can be done. It's just, I, I think it, you, you improve your chances of, of being a good team by at least getting, you know, a, a, where, where Tennessee's recruiting right now, I look at Cade Cunningham with Oklahoma State. He helped carry them too. So I'm not going to make your point, Gene, for just a second here. I can see you wanting to talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, um, let, let me say this. Um, and we've talked, again, a lot of things, it's almost like we're playing the hits tonight. But a lot of things that, uh, you know, we're talked about just aren't true anymore. Okay, you don't want to get one and done. It's fine. Don't get them. So you're gonna, you know what you're gonna do? You're gonna bring in four transfers. Guess what? That's essential. I mean, it, just because it's not dressed up the same way, because the new phase, you know, I don't see anybody in Waco, Texas, complaining about what they did this year. Seemed to work out decently well for them. Um, there was no champion in 2020, 2019. Was you know, I, I'll be interested to see what happens over the next three to five years in terms of recruiting because. I mean, and who's competing for championships because everybody's living in that portal. Keep an eye on Arkansas. You know, like, look at what Arkansas is doing. Like, nobody uses the transfer portal like Arkansas does. Nobody does. And um, so, like, I, I'm looking and I'm saying, like, okay, you don't like the one you don't like the one and done model. Okay, change the name. It's called one-time transfer. <laughs> okay, does that, does that make you feel better? Like, come on, man. Like, it, it's... You can either... Feel like you can either hold on to your pearls and that like Ernie and Bernie situations are just going to keep on walking through that door for you, or you can you can adjust with the times and you can be the one person who's not here doing things, quote unquote, the right way, and um, and checking your results out there because look, man, life comes at you fast. You know, building from the bottom with Grant and Admiral and Lamonte and those guys. Yeah, that worked a few years ago. That's how crazy. Again, when we look at how the the adjustment of a lot of things that have happened in sports, it was just, you know, it wasn't even that long ago that Roy Hibbert was a prized possession in the NBA. Yeah, that Jalil Okafor was a prized possession in college basketball. Like Luke Garza may not even be drafted this year. He should. He'll probably get picked up somewhere in the second round. He'll have a Tyler Hansborough type career, or maybe he yeah he hits a couple shots ever ever so often. He maybe gives you one of those games in the end of March or the first of April where people get excited because that you know the team that he goes to is tanking and that you know they so they roll him out there so they can lose some games and he has a twenty nine point seventeen point performance. Man, I, Kwame Brown is trending on Twitter today, and you forget that at one point his rookie year, I'm pretty sure he had thirty and twenty in a game. Like, it's not like you can look and see what's happening and you can see the shift in in, in sports and people may not like it. But, man, that's not for you to really determine. 
Like that that's not for you to suggest that, well, you know, I don't really like this. So what are you gonna do? You're gonna quit watching? So Tennessee, if Tennessee finds their way into a lead eight or final four, you're not gonna like it because Justin Powell came in or Kennedy Chandler, Joseph Adu, Brendan Huntley Hatfield, Meshack, like we're gonna get mad about that. Come on, man. Like I, I just don't I, I'm just not going to buy that. You may not like it. Because it's not because recruiting's not what it was in the seventies or the eighties or nineties or heck five, ten years ago. Like the Kentucky thing, look, Kentucky started something with Calipari and the one and done model. Duke jumped on it and they were able to sell, hey, you can come and act like you know, basically, you know, the reality is they were selling you can come and act like you're getting a better education because you're doing it at Duke. Again, to be fair, a lot of those kids do kids do go back and get their diplomas. They don't get talked about. It doesn't get discussed. Uh, somebody recently, I don't remember who it was, somebody, some one-and-done type kid or uh, – no, I'm sorry, it was Tua. But it's a wrong sport. But, you know, like kids do go back and get their degrees. And, and like so, I mean, we can laugh about the, from the basketball aspect, you know, yeah, sell it, sell it an education from Duke. But then that kid goes back. You know, we laugh at, you know, we laugh all the way back at the 5-5. Five five. I mean, last time I checked, Jalen Rose is doing really, really good for himself. He, he left in two years, or maybe it was three. Uh, I think he and, yeah, he, you know, Howard left after one. No, Howard left after two, and then Jalen and Juwan Howard left after three. But, like, these things do happen. Yeah, like, I mean, so we can roll our eyes at what Kentucky and Duke and schools like that started. But let me look. Gonzaga's got one and dones now. Mm-hmm. Like they're not like it's the the sport as a whole has shifted. The day where Tennessee and Gonzaga have one and dones and Villanova, so, you know, programs like that. Look, man, it's not what it was. It, now's not the time to complain about it. Just adjust to it because it's here, and it goes back to everything that we've talked about from the beginning of this podcast. Like this is just a different time. You're going to have to have guys who, you know, the four or five-star guys who can compete because if you are a Tennessee, you're going to be able to get those guys now. That's been shown. Now, I don't know what sort of talent's out there in the the twenty like in the 23 class. Um, I mean, you and I have talked about certain guys that are still out there for the 22 class, uh, guys like B.J. Edwards and, you know, Quante Berry, guys who have Tennessee offers. Uh, I think I saw some kid that's, going on of another kid is visiting in like June or something. But um, like, you're going to have to get, you know, the high level prospects. And guess what? If those kids out exceed maybe their own expectations, they're gone. They're gone. And you just have to keep replenishing and keep banging on, you know, keep knocking on that door, keep knocking on that door. Maybe this, maybe, maybe one of these times is actually going to work itself out. Because I guarantee you this much, all the people that you've seen on social media complaining about the one and done model, they won't have a thing to say. Uh, not a single solidary thing to say if Tennessee's all of a sudden one of those final four teams in the country. Not mm-hmm. a th- they are not going to get mad because it was done the wrong way. They'll accept it. They can, you know, even I don't even care if you say, well, I still don't like it, but no, if the second you said but you basically messed up your entire argument. Nobody cares about anything. Well, I'm, uh, this is Tennessee. I'm a fan. Okay, then be a fan of what they're doing. 
it's like it's almost equivalent to the person at the sit at Georgia Tech who's like, man, I don't like the fact that we got rid of Paul Johnson, but you know, if if, if Jeff Collins goes up there and wins nine ten games in a year in one year and they're competing for a national championship, they'll be like, man, I still wish we had that triple option, but I'll accept this eleven and 12 and zero, and we're in the college football playoff. Then guess what? You're okay with it. It's fine. It's fine to accept it. But, again, I just don't want to do the thing where we don't realize that there's a sea change out there. And it's changing all around us. You just got to accept it, man. You may not like it, but you just got to accept it. Yeah, and also, to be fair, I think it's a minority of the fan base that's saying it, too. Um, but still, you, I, you pick up things, you see things, and you're like, huh, that's interesting. That, even, even if one person or two people have that take, it just makes me makes you think. and. <laughs> to Kwame Brown, I, I see now why he's trending yeah, on Twitter. Yeah, Gene, yeah. That's, I woke uh, up to it this morning, so yeah. Interesting. Didn't really want to go into too much detail, but if you know, you know. That's one of those things you know. <laughs> you know. Um, uh, a tweet says Kwame Brown went on one of those rants where he might have been cracking some jokes, but wasn't a thing funny. What he's saying? <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> uh, anyway, so to to kind of finish out the podcast here and to kind of build off what we were saying and talking about intense recruiting and kind of the, the caliber of players are recruiting. You, you already touched on it. Gene there uh, just a minute ago. So in the month of June, once that's lifted, you have Tennessee in early June. You have Cason Wallace, who's a five-star coming in, uh, who is, I think, scheduled his official visit for June 3rd to the 5th. On the same day or the same weekend, June or that next weekend, June 8th, you have on that same weekend, B.J. Edwards and Brandon Miller, who we just talked about, B.J. Edwards, who's a four-star, who we're talking off-air, Gene, we think there's a chance, you know, don't know if you get a five-star or not, but he's, he's a legitimately very talented kid and Brandon Miller who is a five star and on 247 sports is the number one player in the state of Tennessee over at Cambridge Antioch I think you've talked about him before on a podcast uh, but they're both coming in June 8th and I, I assume they'll probably get some more guys coming in later in the month as well but you also have Deontay Green who's a four star who's visiting in late June the 23rd to the 25th so those are right now the four guys who are coming in visiting with Tennessee but Tennessee also obviously has more guys on their board um, in the 22 class who I assume they'll probably try and get a couple more guys to come in and visit uh, here in the month of June, probably maybe even July because I think summer, this summer especially is going to be a very visit heavy summer because, you know, it's been the first time in like <clears throat> almost a year and a half, I guess, since prospects have been able to go visit which is like other guys that Tennessee's talking to and, and offered, you know, I don't, like again, I don't imagine Imani Bates is going to come do anything, but we'll see. You do, you know, I, don't, I imagine Jet Howard's going to follow his dad to Michigan, but Tennessee seems to, you know, be running a very distant second fiddle there, but still, you know, they're there. Uh, does Noah Clowney, a guy who seems to be kind of moving up the board, uh, does he come visit sometime soon? You have a Felix Akpara down at, at Hamilton Heights, who Tennessee, uh, uh, you know, really seems to like as well. Hondre uh, Tomba, technically a 22 class, we talked about before, though, is a, a guy who's going to likely reclassify into 21 class, but all those guys are ones that Tennessee has offered and, and, and that's on their board right now. That's a, again, we've talked about it already in this podcast and, and multiple times before. This just even speaks to the fact that where Tennessee recruiting is now, you know, whether you're doing it, like you said, the quote unquote right way or the way that, you know, some people want to see it be done. I think this is the, I think this is quote unquote the right way to do recruiting. You, you have a couple of those guys who are, you know, one and done type, you know, caliber type of players in, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, in a Brandon Miller and in a, 
uh, well, not Okpora, but Kaysen Wallace, who are guys who are five stars in that kind of top 20 range there. You know, they may not end up being you know, one-and-done players, but they, they have that caliber, that ranking of being a potential one-and-done. B.J. Edwards, I don't think, will be a, a one-and-done player, but he, he has certainly has a talent to be a two-and-done player uh, with what we've seen from him. And you and I are talking about what he did at the AAU showdown uh, recently. I think it was last uh, Thursday uh, when that happened. So, again, Gene, this is just, like I said, been at the point. Tennessee's recruiting at a high level, and I think this is it, it bodes well that Tennessee's already going to be able to get you know, four of their top, like, six, seven guys in the 22 class to come visit here in the next, you know, month, month and a half. And, I, again, I have no problem with it. I think Tennessee is, you know, as long as you're not going out and adding, you know, I don't think it, I don't think it would be would behoove Tennessee to follow that Kentucky-Duke model of, of getting, you know, of the years past, of getting three or four guys who are going to be one-and-dones. But, like you said, if it makes you uncomfortable calling one-and-done, why not do the the one year transfer as you as you lose you know rename it you know, whatever it, it, it's Tennessee had a lot of quote unquote two undones and three undones off the roster last year who were there and then all of a sudden now they're not because you get a lot of guys transferring off it there's just going to be college basketball is going to be a fascinating kind of sport to watch in the off season for the next few years to see if any rules change and everything to to change what's going to happen with all these transfers and stuff because it's not going to be just a Tennessee thing where you've seen a lot of transfers. I talked with Blake about this in the last week's episode. The SEC has seen a ton of guys transfer out. And that, that, that article I mentioned last podcast, it wasn't even talking about guys who are declaring for the NBA draft or whatever. It was specifically looking at guys who transferred or, or transferring in the transfer portal. And there was like 60-something players in total in the SEC who are transferring. Again, that doesn't count guys who are graduating or guys who are declaring for the NBA. That was just specifically looking at transfers. And Tennessee was like one of the top ones because they had four guys who transferred last year with EJ Anasicki, uh Drew Pember, Devontae Gaines, and I am now blanking on who the other one was, but there was another one that transferred. Um, they also obviously had Eve Pons go to the draft and then Keon and Jaden go to the draft as well. So, Gene, I, I just kind of want to mention there with the, with the, uh, the official visits of those guys coming up, and like I said, it I wouldn't surprise me to see a couple more kind of pop up, but... This ain't, this ain't stopping anytime for soon for Tennessee, at least not under Rick Barnes and, and the, the culture he's built and the way he's kind of built up the recruiting philosophy here. So if fans are not happy with, like you said, though, if they're not happy with it right now and Tennessee goes and makes an Elite Eight run or Final Four run, they'll be they'll be happy. They won't care. It'll be, it'll be a case of this is only an issue because it's been underachieving. And maybe, you know, they're thinking that Tennessee has underachieved because of this, that they're, the reason why they haven't lived up to expectations has been because of the one-and-done mindset or, you know, recruiting, but that's also just a one-year sample size right now. And like you said, and like I've said too, they point back to that Grant Williams, Admiral Schofield, Jordan Bone era, and that was remarkable. The Tennessee's also had success with guys who've been more highly rated, highly touted guys in the past and had successful seasons. But I think it's it's easy to say one-and-dones are bad for Tennessee because you look at the, the two instances where Tennessee's had one-and-done players, and those have largely been two of the most disappointing seasons this past year. And then the, the Tobias Harris season, because and that had nothing to do with Tobias Harris. That had a lot to do with the NCAA William Bruce Pearl. But still, those are two of the more disappointing seasons in the last, you know, 15, 20 years of Tennessee men's basketball. So I think, it, you know, I get it from a, a famous perspective. It, it's easy to point to that and say that. But I think that's also a kind of a, a blinders or a narrow focus of, of you know, trying to find something to fit your narrative rather than saying, okay, well, is this true 
of just Tennessee, or is this true across you know the SEC, or is this true across all of college basketball? Because I think when you broaden your scope a little bit, it may just be some bad luck on Tennessee's part because other schools have had success bringing in a couple one or two one and dones or one and two you know very highly rated prospects and putting them around or having you know, them surrounded by a a core of good players. And I think Tennessee, at least this season, I'll, I will be interested to see these guys in the twenty two class who they will be surrounded by because. Unless Fulkerson somehow finds a way to come back for a seventh season, he'll be gone next year. You know, does James come back for a fourth year? Wouldn't surprise me, but we'll see. Does Scobie come back for a fourth year? Probably. Does Justin Powell back next year? Probably. Victor Bailey? Don't know. Kamwa? Irosh? Don't know. So it'll be intrigued to see who those 22 kids are surrounded with. But at least for this year, I think you have a better mix of those young guys and and veterans, but I do think that's an interesting thing to kind of look at for the 22 class and 23 classes. You know, obviously you can add guys in the transfer portal like Justin Powell, but uh, is this something that Tennessee can continue to have that good mix year in year out, or is it going to be you know, you, you just it's going to be some years are going to be lean, some years are going to be better. I, I think that's that'll be kind of the interesting way of looking at it. And I do think one thing is going to happen is people are going to sign fewer people, and the guys, the teams are going to sign fewer guys in the in the fall. Uh, because yeah. mm-hmm. they're going to see how things play out in March and just kind of leave those spots available for guys in the portal. I mean, like, I, again, I, you know, just when you when you look around and you see, you know, just how recruiting's being done and just how many guys are hopping in that portal and if they're still going in there. And, I mean, well, I mean, they're probably not anymore, but, um, like, guys are going into the portal and almost – any time and you know like it, when they're going in there until like mid-march and the recruiting calendar is changing uh i'm sorry the recruiting calendar is starting in, in mid-april and guys are you know championships are being won and like the end of april guys you know gonzaga's playing it for a championship and guys in the portal like two days later um like it, it's there's no real need like again, like I'm telling you know, like I mean, anybody that knows, I have a 16 year old son who thinks he has a chance to be like maybe some sort of like a basketball player, may end up Division One or Division Two or whatever. And I, what I tell him is, look, man, if you get an offer, commit, commit. Like, is that's going to be like if you're getting offered at that point, that means they really want you because between one time transfers. Uh, reclassification, all these other things that did not matter five years ago, those spots, you know, if they're if they're offering you, it's because they want you, and they may want you on Monday, and they may not have any use for you by Friday, and so like the whole recruiting thing has just changed so much to where like one and done will become less of, I mean, I almost think that one and done will become less of an important thing because. You'll, you'll have a bunch of like maybe top 100 prospects for that particular class that sign because obviously you're always going to leave a spot available for Kennedy Chandler. It's always going to happen. Um, and then afterwards, you'll, you'll, you know, you can sneak up on a Brendan Huntley Hatfield who decides he wants to reclassify. But then guess what you also did? You also went out and got a Justin Powell. Like Tennessee played the, you know, played the recruiting process like perfectly this year. I mean, people may not realize that. They may not like it, how it happened, because they're not, you know, because they can't fall in love with the names and fall in love with the personalities and learn every intricate detail of the player. 
but they played the process perfectly. They went out and got two guards in November. Um, they went out and got two bigs in the spring. They went out and got one of the top available transfers, who's a great shooter, um, in the spring. Actually, they got one big, and then they got another to reclassify. So they played the process beautifully. Beautifully. And you can't ask for anything more if you're a Tennessee fan than what he did in recruiting because he got everything that he needed. He got everything he needed. The guys that he didn't think would, the guys that he figured would never be able to help, you know, kind of let those guys go. Those guys are George Mason now and at UNC Asheville. He brought in guys that he thinks they may not help immediately, but they're going to help. I don't know how quickly a do helps, but he'll help. Um, I've read people that have higher expectations. I personally would not. I personally would not have high expectations for a kid like that this year. Not offensively. He may block some shots, maybe grab three, four, five rebounds, but I personally don't expect a lot out of the kid this year just because he's the type of kid who's going to have to develop slowly. Um, and people are going to have to be patient with him uh, because that's a kid who came on late and came on strong, and he looks like a really good prospect and a really good player, but how does he fit in whenever he's whenever he realizes what's really being asked of him at that level? But Huntley Hatfield, you need to have expectations for him. He may not reach them, but he's the type of kid you have expectations for. Kennedy Chandler, expectations. Justin Powell, I think, could be the surprise of the class. Mayshack, if it's not Powell, it's him. So you play the recruiting process perfectly. Everything worked out like you needed it to, and now you have a team that you believe can compete. Well, I think I'll end the podcast on that note and also by saying I just happened to get on Facebook to look at our page and saw that uh, Lamonte Turner shared one of our posts, so... Pretty cool. All right. Well, that'll be the end of the episode here. Uh, I appreciate all of you tuning in. If you have any comments from this episode or questions or anything like that, any, any follow-ups of anything Gene and I said, uh, please let us know. We're on Twitter at VolHoopsFever. We're on Facebook at VolBasketballFever. So go, go follow us. Go give us a like or just add us or message us, whatever you want to do, or comment on a post or anything like that because we welcome your feedback. We, we get feedback usually every week, at least from one or two people. So we'd love to hear from you guys. And what do you think of Tennessee's recruiting? You know, do you like the one and done, or do you like do you like how they're recruiting now? Do you what are your thoughts on this and that and and everything else in between? So, let us know. Again, really appreciate you guys who are subscribed and help make this you know a, a growing adventure here with the basketball for your podcast. We're, we're very very thankful for it. But signing off for Gene, I am Nathaniel, and this has been another episode of the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast.